Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 149 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam, how are you doing uh, this day? You know what, Joe? I'm pretty damn good. I'm doing so good that I'm throwing the format of the show right out the window. I'm going right to likes, right off the bat. Oh, my goodness. It's this, time. This, this, highly, uh, this highly detailed script, Adam. Again, it can't. <laughs> Be jostled. Now I gotta go to the goldenrod pages. Oh my! Oh, okay, okay. I'm, thro- I'm throwing it all out the window, and it's time for me to take my victory lap, Joe. It's <laughs> it's time for us to acknowledge him, Joe, the head of the merch table, the Detolf chief, the woo 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 ah man, the reigning and defending <laughs> undisputed GCW heavyweight champion of the world. The Deathmatch King, Matt Cardona, Joe. Like number one this week, if there was ever a doubt that there'd be something else, it is Broski going into hostile territory and not only having a great match, not only bleeding all over the place, but shocking the world of wrestling and winning, winning the GCW title in what is quite possibly my most memorable wrestling event I've ever attended, but uh, quite possibly one of the most shocking indie wrestling like spectacles of this generation, Joe. Uh, there, there's not enough superlatives for me to throw out there. Kudos to Broski. Kudos to Nick Gage. Uh, just overall, just amazing. And I told you so. Everybody out there, Broski, king of all this shit or whatever it is, uh, he got it done. So we are in the summer of Broski, and that is like number one. It has to go at the top of the show. I did like your Roman Reigns-esque thing there. Did you get a chance? I know it was late. Did you get a chance to listen to a major wrestling figure this week? No, I didn't yet. Uh, the the whatever review of the week was someone doing the Nick Gage intro, but to Broski okay. stuff. <laughs> and like they threw in like a uh, shout out to, you know, uh, Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins, RIP, you know, the... Like shout out to the the figures that didn't you know you have yeah, to listen yeah. to it when you listen to the show this week. Um, so uh, your victory lap, you yes. knew this was gonna happen, right? Well, I mean, if the only reason why it wouldn't is if Lauderdale is allergic to making money and getting headlines. I mean, you could have had Broski go out there and just have a good match and lose, and then what happens? It's okay. You had Broski on one show. But now you've you've captured the the imaginations of the wrestling world about all the possibilities of what comes next, you know. And uh, I, like I knew that unless again they wanted to throw money out the window, this was the best way to go. Plus, I had faith in the entire time. <laughs> all right. Well, we're doing likes and dislikes. Uh, this was in my likes as well. Damn straight, it better be. <laughs> so. The match was actually very good. Um, I was talking with someone who wasn't watching the match at the time. Um, and they told me, they're like, yeah, you know, the word was. And Broski confirmed this on the show uh, when you listen to Major Wrestling this week. Uh, he's like, I knew I was going to bleed a little. Uh, I figured I was going to, you know, take a chair. I figured I was going to take a thing. I figured I was going to take some light tubes. Uh, but going in, I was like, no pizza cutter, no glass. 
and someone was reiterating that no glass part to me as I was watching the match live at home. And I go, well, Broski just went through his second pane of glass. And he's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> so, um, not, so I, I'm going to say, like, so the match was good. Go out of your way. Check it out. I'm sure you can find all the gifts and everything and kind of piece it together. But the reason that Broski goes into my likes, and I'll ask you about your whole trip and your adventure and everything like that, is it's not just the match. It was everything before and everything since. Yeah. Every tweet that Broski has sent out in the last, like, five days or six days since he won the title has been fantastic. Taking the pictures with it at Smuggler's Run at Disney. Taking the pic, like, giving, giving the belt the fig bath. You know, like, <laughs> all this ridiculous stuff that's, like, was so Broski. And Broski is a polarizing figure. You know, we've talked before on the show, I'm more of a Brian guy and Adam's more of a Broski guy. Uh, but if I really didn't like Broski that much, I wouldn't be listening to the show at all because I'm like, I'd be like, fuck this guy. I'm not even listening at all. But if you're making me choose one, I'm choosing Brian over Broski. Sure. And uh, the things that I strongly dislike about Broski were all the things that he focused in on the haters this week. Yeah. And it was great. <laughs> And I just want to throw this out before we get into my experience. Yes. I, I, I'm going to go one up on getting likes and dislikes in early on before we get to the rest of the show. And I'm going to go with a dislike. <gasps> and that is the attention deficit criminals of the GCW crowd, specifically the assholes that threw full like beer cans at Broski. Because one thing when I was getting a drink at the bar at uh, the tro- well, I'm about to say Tropicana, the showboat uh, is like, okay, they have all these stacks of, of plastic cups sitting at the bar. And then I'm like, oh, I just wanted a soda. And they hand me a soda can. They don't pop it open and pour it into one of those many, many, many cups that are sitting in front of them. They just hand me a soda can and be like, all right, I guess I'll just not use this as a lethal weapon. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was like, that is a bad idea right off the rip. But I am all for the 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 visual that happened from it is obviously impossible to to fake. You know, just all the garbage going in there, pelt them in the face and the dick and all that shit. I mean, it's great from a visual standpoint, but I mean, it, it is dangerous as all hell. Uh, and it was crossing the line. And uh, not a fan of the GCW universe in that situation. Um, and also, you know, not a fan of the fact that I think that. Most of the uh, the coverage or the feedback about this event was pretty positive, mm-hmm. but obviously there's still people that have their arms crossed and be like, I don't like Broski because he, he ripped off an eBay seller once, you know, he threw a fit and so I'll never like him. And, and like, I'm just like, come on, get over yourself and just enjoy like the moment in wrestling. So like my, my dislike is the GCW universe throwing fucking lethal weapons at Broski's dick and head. Uh, and then the, the negative reaction because of one like eBay interaction that has caused people to just shit on them, you know? So that's my first dislike. So I'll, okay. Uh, and again, we're, we're doing likes and dislikes here. Yes. Um, I guess it would, it's, it's, it's still talking about this, right? So, yeah. uh, uh, I'm glad that you said the GCW uni- universe. That's what they're called. 
And I don't want to say that I don't like Broski because he ripped off an eBay seller. Yeah. And again, this is a very, very specific designation. I don't like that he ripped off an eBay seller. It wouldn't be Broski if he didn't, I guess <laughs> would be the best way to say it, you know? Yeah. And let, let me let me throw before it cut you off here, throw out a hypothetical. And yeah. I'm going to probably get some heat for this. Uh, so, you know, whatever. Oh, and, and, your... now, and again, so you're... You're reading from my rant stuff today. All right. So I, I you prepare your DMs for this joke because you'll get a message after the show is over from multiple people. So I'm going to ask you this. Who had a worse day? I want to put you in the shoes of somebody. So imagine you're the eBay seller who, you know, through no fault of your own, had to go and uh, refund Broski or send him a replacement AMA or AWA Remco ring. So that's a pretty shitty day, right, Joe? You would have been yeah. pretty pissed off. Uh, the alternative, this is your option B, is you're a bank teller who's getting robbed and might he thinks that they might die today. Uh, that's a pretty shitty day, too. So, again, no knock on Nick Gage. He turned his life around. He did his time. He's, you know, uh, has great fans. He's great to his fans. I've seen many videos of him being awesome to, like, little kids in the crowd, whatever. But who had a worse day, that eBay seller or the person that was being robbed at the bank? And nobody seems to fucking be like, I don't like Nick Gage because he went to jail. No, they talk about Nick Gage being the fucking man, and rightfully so, whatever. But, like, to, to just constantly be like, every single time Broski does something good, people are like, yeah, but that one time about the eBay, it's just annoying as shit. Like, I roll my eyes every time. But go ahead. I just wanted to throw that out. Well, I will say, uh, you know, if you go into the uh, major pod figure wrestling Facebook group, you get the you get the opposite end of the spectrum of that argument. So, again, you're not going to please everyone. There's people that are that going into this were very anti Broski going into this. And since there's a lot of people in there that are anti Nick Gage, no one's going to win this argument. You're not having this argument with me because I like both guys. I'm okay with them. Um, and I will say in your scenario that you've presented, um, while that person, the bank teller, could have lost their life if Nick Gage actually did have a gun, they came out of that day with a net zero gain or loss, whereas the eBay seller came out with a net loss of two very rare AWA Remco rings loss of money and possibly a negative thing on his eBay seller thing. So I would say that the eBay seller probably ended up worse in that scenario that you presented it as is. Oh yeah. Just no such thing as trauma, I guess. So well, yeah, you're right. I'd rather, I'd rather not have the negative feedback. You can go to therapy and get rid of trauma. There's nothing you could do to get a negative strike off your eBay <laughs> thing. Fair enough, you win. I, I I pull back my arguments. <laughs> You've convinced so me. you brought up a lot of stuff about being there, and again, I got a million questions, of course. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned about the, the 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 cups, and you thought they were going to pour it into a cup and hand you a cup and toss the can or whatever it was, and people were throwing stuff at Broski after he won. Now, you were there live. There has been rumors floated and perpetuated by GCW tongue-in-cheek ways that this was a fake riot, that there were plants in the crowd that were set up, that worked for GCW, that started throwing stuff in the ring so everyone else would join in. 
Okay. Do you feel that this was true? Do you feel that this was intentionally started by people within GCW? Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, I have no way of, of telling. Because, I mean, here's the thing. So what are they claiming that they had in that that arena, quote-unquote? Like 1,500 people, 1,400 sure. people? So I'd say out of that 1,400 people, um, and I'm just spitballing here, there was maybe 30 or 40 major marks that were, like, properly identified, you know, fully wearing broski attire, pot attire, that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, and then – you know, out of the the remaining group, maybe half of them were, you know, all in your MDK, Nick Gage stuff. And the other half was like Brett and DJ, where they're just, you know, wearing a Brian Pillman shirt or wearing whatever, you know, just wrestling fans there for the show. They were so, neutral. Yeah. So obviously the the half of the the audience that was super hostile towards Broski were hostile the entire time, you know, booing the shit out of them, you know, motherfucker and him. Um, and whatever. So when Broski won, the throwing of the trash pretty much happened immediately and it happened from every direction. Mm -hmm. I have no idea if like what was thrown initially was just empty cans, you know, as if to kind of be safer. And then it was followed up with the pizza cutter and the full cans and whatever. I don't know. I haven't gone through the footage like it was the Zapruder film, you know, so I think that just based on the sheer volume and the fact that it was coming from every direction pretty much simultaneously, if it was a plug or a plant, it was done with such a huge volume of people because, I mean, he was getting pelted from every direction by like 100 people. So it was a lot of plants if that was the case. So uh, and, and it all happened instantly. It's not like a couple people did it and were like, yeah, throw garbage. And then like people were like, oh, OK, I'll do that. No, it was all just out of nowhere all at once so i obviously i think that that's bullshit and plus there was a very very large portion of that crowd that was drunk as a motherfucker so i i don't think that they gave it much thought as to whether or not they should throw something at the ring well i will say i'm in the camp of that it was as organic as it possibly could be yeah in that the last time that gcw was at that building and they did like a fuck finish like that where like a heel went over mm. and again in this GCW universe scenario, Broski's the heel, and the fans pelted the ring with garbage. So I'm sure that grouping of fans already had in their mind, it's like, man, if this happens again, we're going to do the same thing we did last time. Yeah. And I've seen at least two videos appear online of GCW staff, like, not only, like, telling people to stop, but, like, actively, like, swatting the stuff out of the air. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, again, to, to, to have such a high source, I guess, mm -hmm. uh, in the wrestling business, just come out and lie and say that it was faked and it was started by GCW is like a new level of dishonest. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Yeah. And, and obviously I have not been to nearly as many wrestling shows as you or really most people listening to this podcast, but I have never been in an atmosphere where like, there was so much hostility, like genuine hostility. I likened it to like if you were watching your favorite team, like your favorite like baseball team win a game, but on the road and like you were dealing with like <laughs> listening to like all the hometown fans lose their mind, you know, and that's what it was. It was but times 10, like 
so many drunk people who just cursing and just shouting horrible, horrible shit at Broski. Uh, but like it was definitely the most intense wrestling uh, crowd or atmosphere I've ever been in. Uh, and thank God I was with uh, the WNWPA, which is the We Need Wrestling Protection Agency. Uh, <laughs> and so I didn't have to worry about anything. So how was the trip out? How was the trip back? How was the rest of the show? Yeah, um, you know what? I had a blast with Brett and DJ and our buddy Dave. Uh, you know, the Brett and DJ welcome in my car anytime. Uh, I only managed to get under DJ's skin maybe twice. Uh, so <laughs> I think at one point, just I intentionally, I brought up uh, Punishment Martinez just to see what kind oh, of yes. he would go down on. And I was not disappointed. Uh, but I mean, honestly, like on the way down, we must have talked about toys for like an hour. And then we were fantasy booking what we were hoping to see. Uh, for the Broski Gage match later on that night, we had talked about the ultimate heel thing Broski could have done was to just work a chin lock for a half hour. You know, just a really boring, non-hardcore style, and how it would just lead to uh, the rematch being, you know, the death match. And obviously, I forget whether it was Brett or DJ. Uh, I know I took credit for it on Twitter, but we postulated that the the best thing in the world would be for Chris Jericho to come out and cost Gage the the match. And when Jericho's music hit, like the the expression on Brett's face was like a kid on Christmas, you know. So I uh, had a really good time going down, you know, got very briefly a chance to walk on the boardwalk, uh, narrowly averted getting shit on by seagulls. But uh, and then for the car ride home, we found out as we were leaving because the show didn't get out. I don't know, until like 1130, you know, 1140, whatever. Um, we found out as we were leaving that the turnpike was shut down for construction. So we had to, like, take all these dodgy New Jersey back roads. So I didn't get home until around 4 o'clock in the morning. Mm. And obviously those guys had to go from Scranton to Wilkes-Barre, so they had more of a drive. But I was so hyped up. Like, I was on social media just looking at all the reactions because I drove. So I wasn't able to see all the the post-match interviews and all the uh, – you know, the, the feedback from the show. So I was up like till like six o'clock in the morning looking at social media, but I had a really good time traveling with those guys. It did not seem like three and a half hours each way. You know, it seemed like it flew by with their company. Right. I, I think DJ also mentioned to me that uh, you'd said some disparaging remarks about two cold Scorpio, I guess. <laughs> I, I I might have commented about his like wearing baggy pants and maybe he should wear suspenders. That's about the only thing I said oh, bad about too cold. I like too cold, but uh, he struggled to keep those pants up. <laughs> uh, and the, well, and the rest of the show you enjoyed as well. I, I my favorite tweet of yours from the night was like it was eleven o'clock and you're like, come on, get o- get over already. I'm like, oh poor Adam hasn't been to an indie show in so long. <laughs> Yeah, you know what it is? Like, obviously, I'm on my feet all day for work and whatever. You're walking around for eight hours. It's no big deal. Uh, But there's something about standing in one spot for, like, four hours that's, like, excruciating. Like, you feel paralyzed. So I think we were all just getting tired. Uh, Obviously, I went there for one match. Uh, There was a lot of good matches, a lot of people that I didn't know going into it. But it was getting to the point where... When they had like the Effie and I forget who he came out to confront, 
but they did their little confrontation. I'm like, okay, this is fine. And then the bell rang, and I literally looked over to like Brett or DJ. I was like, did they just ring the fucking bell? Is this another match? Like, I was so pissed <laughs> off because I'm just looking at the fact that I'm like, okay, this the Broski Gage stuff is gonna last for like hopefully 30 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever. And then I'm like, we have a three and a half hour ride home. So I was just being old man at the time, but I like the show. Uh, I learned that light tubes make a very unique sound when you hear them busting in person. It's like a popping sound, like yep, a firework. Yep. It does not convey onto the television. So I will say that if you've never been to one live. Um, and there were times when there was clouds of whatever it is inside of light tubes that would like be moving its way across the crowd. And I'd be like holding my breath. because like, don't inhale this. Don't inhale this. It's called spooky gas. <laughs> yeah. I didn't want any spooky gas in me. It's bad enough. I have the stuff from ripping heaters, but, uh, right. but I mean, it was a good show. Uh, would I go to a GCW show if it didn't have any of the pod boys on it? Eh, maybe not. Not if it was, you know, three, four hours away, but, uh, I, I definitely enjoyed it. Like I'm very giddy about it. I've been kind of telling everybody I've been showing people, you know, the, the famous video clip and audio clip of me that's been sweeping the internet. Uh, I've been showing people that. So I, I had a really good time. I can't say enough about it. So one last thing, and then we'll move on with the actual show itself. And I'm sure yep. this will come back up again. Um, so uh, I know even though you were there live, uh, just like I did, you ordered it on Fight TV uh, to save for prosperity's sake. Did you get a chance to go back and watch the match again after experiencing it live to see like if it felt different or hit different or maybe it's like, oh, because like I, because of this, I missed this that I'm now seeing watching the the home version. Yeah, I haven't watched the thing from start to finish. Okay. I, I kind of bounced around and I watched the introductions. Um, I watched like some of the high spots. Like I watched Broski superplex engage through the plate glass. And I watched the uh, right after the four, four, Oh, leave the ring. And the you know, Broski hits the radio silence gets the win. I wanted to see the reaction um, of the crowd after the pinfall. And uh, I mean, obviously I'd, I'm going to go back and watch the whole thing in its entirety. But uh, commentary sucks. Uh, the ring announcer sucks. Um, I don't think the uh, the video does the crowd reaction justice to just how raucous it was. Gotcha. You know, and just how, like, overwhelming. Because, again, the hard camera was pretty fixed and it was a wide shot, you know, so it didn't really zoom in that much. Uh, but just being up closer and just literally feeling the pelting of like a, a beer can hitting somebody in the head, you know, and you hear that thud in person and just hearing the booze and the, the motherfuckering from people like right next to you. Uh, and that was just from Brett. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but like, I, I don't think that the final reaction was as visceral as it was in person, but I'm definitely going to go back and check it out. You know, like I want to hear, I want to hear how commentary sold uh, air quotes, Chris Jericho coming out uh, and like things like that, you know? Yeah. I know uh, that Chris Jericho fake out spot went over like a fart in church uh, here amongst the dozens of people that I had. Cause we split the fight pay-per-view. I had like a ton of people over to watch it. <laughs> yeah. You know what the problem was for us live is is when uh, when you hear Chris Jericho's Judas in my mind or whatever. Yes. Like the the theme song 
starts at a different spot than the album track, if that makes sense. Like the album yes. track has a longer intro and they played the album track version at the uh, GCW show. Right. So it has like this soft entry and we're like kind of looking at each other confused. Like, what is this song? And then it hits the, the dun, 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 whatever. Uh, but by that point, like Jericho's already in the ring being unmasked. So it kind of lost its kind yeah. of, oomph, you know, yeah. so I, I think they blew that with just messing up the theme music. But I don't know if you haven't seen it, go out of your way to to find a way to see it. You know, it's definitely uh, it's definitely a match that everybody should check out. If you're if you want to see Broski get butchered, great, go watch it. If you want to see uh, him win the title and and prove his his fans right, you know, uh, go watch it. But I, I enjoyed it. I, I would definitely when that rematch happens, uh, maybe I'll go see it depending on where it's at. Well, to to quote the great Wes Barkley, we'll talk, pal. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, I've done hijacking the show, Joe. Back to our regularly scheduled program. And now, At Odds with Wrestling presents This Day in Wrestling History. All right, well, uh, This Day in Wrestling History. Um. <laughs> We, there's a Chikara event uh, that happened in Everett, Massachusetts, uh, back in 2012, uh, called Give Em the Axe. I'm not going to get too much into it because we are going to be watching it here uh, several weeks from now. Um, again, bouncing all over the place since we're already off format and schedule and everything else like that. Um, we go by air dates when it comes to like the older stuff. Mm-hmm. And on this day in wrestling history in 1989, kissing right up against that, uh, where Adam believes wrestling <laughs> didn't exist. Uh, Art Anderson and Tully Blanchard, the brain busters on uh, episode of superstars won the tag team titles from demolition on this day. Oh, you mean pinnacles, Tully Blanchard? <laughs> no, definitely that. And the head coach of the nightmare family, Art Anderson. No, not him either. <laughs> Uh, does, he doesn't have a Denny's menu in front of him? <laughs> no, and he's not wearing a flesh-colored yarmulke either. It's a different guy. <laughs> okay. Um, but no, that's a, that's a, you know, it's a big deal that, like, you know, this Jim Crockett Promotions NWA WCW tag team comes in and, you know, they end up getting the big win on TV. Granted, it's due to, like, Andre the Giant interference, Heenan family nonsense or whatever, but, like, it was a pretty big deal, you know? Uh, it was a pretty cool moment in wrestling, you know? Yeah, all right. I, I, for one, Joe, anytime somebody wins a title with tons of outside interference, I don't recognize it as a legitimate win. (laughs) All right, fair enough. Um, Also on this day, Wrestling History 2018, Beyond uh, held their American Rana show in Worcester, Mass. Uh, Hell of a show, uh, just hitting some of the bigger points. Uh, Chris Dickinson... Uh, Jocka, Santana, and Ortiz took on Kimberly, uh, Skyler, Jordan Grace, and Mia Yim. Uh, Anthony Green took on A.R. Fox. Jonathan Gresham took on Matt, uh, uh, Trent. Uh, there was a Chikara match that had, like, Murloc and Travis Huckabee and Boomer Hatfield and all sorts of people in it. Um, Tracy Williams defended the... Uh, Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium title against a younger than he already is today, Wheeler Utah. Uh, PCO took on Brian Cage. And then in a big uh, four-corner tag team match, 
uh, Bill Carr, Dan Barry, I forget what their stupid tag team name is, uh, took on Dorian Graves and VSK back when they did like a creepy massage gimmick. <laughs> uh, John Silver and Alex Reynolds and Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy. So that event, and there's other matches on there as well, um, maybe involving people that are canceled or mid-canceled or should never be spoken about in public ever again. Um, but that's on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. And uh, Adam, also on this day in wrestling history, one year ago today, uh, the Warlord debuted in AEW. Oh! Oh, hang on, wait a minute, let me wait, put my uh, glasses on. No, no, that's not the Warlord, he's just built like the Warlord. Broski made his debut at AEW one year ago today. Oh, the Toy Lord. <laughs> the Toy Lord. <laughs> Isn't that what Tim calls him? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Well, look at that. You know, it, just in one year's time, he went from being just a guy in the Nightmare family to you know, once again being at the top of indie wrestling. Kudos to him. Yeah, it's 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 uh, interesting on how, like, one guy got up and somebody <laughs> else that was on that show was never the same again. <laughs> I'll say. I'm sorry, Jake. It's just the way things go. Um, all right. So we already got one of your likes and one of your dislikes out of the way. Yeah, so go ahead. You can go first, then. And one of my likes, too. I had a like yeah. in there, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, I liked all the broski stuff. Uh, let's go with a dislike. Um, I didn't like the main event of Monday Night Raw this past week, where after cashing in her Money in the Bank briefcase last week on Monday Night Raw and winning the Raw Women's Champion, Chip from Charlotte, to get her heat back, apparently... They just had Charlotte beat the ever-loving shit out of Nikki Cross for 10 minutes. Uh, (laughs) Charlotte did not sell any of Nikki's offense whatsoever. And it was just essentially a squash of their new champion in her new gimmick. And uh, this is not a pro-Charlotte podcast. Uh, You know, I was a fan of Charlotte like three heads ago. (laughs) Um, Not a fan of the current head that she has. But uh, this, I don't know. I, you know, I know World Wrestling Entertainment loves Charlotte, and they think she's the, uh, you know, end-all, be-all when it comes to women's wrestling. But, and, and I get you got to make Charlotte look strong, but I don't know, maybe, like, let Nikki have a week where she doesn't get smeared and look like a goof. Yeah. You know, some might say that the superhero outfit already makes her look like a goof. Mm-hmm. Um. But, you know, I, I got no problem with Charlotte being like the ass kicker, no selling offense. But I don't know. Let's not do it to the champ. Yeah. Now, I've always liked Nikki Cross as a wrestler. I liked her when she was in Sanity. I liked her when she was in Bliss Cross Applesauce. You know, I liked all that stuff. I've never been a fan of the almost a superhero gimmick, but I'm like, OK, I'll swallow it just because, you know, I like the wrestler and I'll see where it goes. I'm not going to be like the people on the Internet that's just like this is stupid whatever. So when she won the money in the bank, I was like, OK, this is cool. They're giving her, you know, the push, you know, they're going to see where it goes with that. So I, like you, was completely shocked that they just had her get squashed. And I remember months ago when I was complaining about the fact that the Miz was the champion, but he was was just like the most cowardly ineffective you know world champion ever because he like you know didn't have the capacity to defend it they're basically making him look like brock lesnar now compared to nikki you know because nikki looks like 
from the way they presented her on Raw, like the the Money in the Bank win was an absolute fluke. She was just like our truth running in and getting the 24-7 title. You know, like it's just they're presenting it as if her days are numbered. And as soon as she's in a one-on-one match with somebody, especially somebody like Charlotte, she's going to lose, which just immediately, you know, just I agree, takes all of your steam out of it. So if she doesn't have a rematch with Charlotte where she pulls off a somewhat convincing win, I'm not going to say dominant. But she needs to do something more than just a fluke or where Charlotte's distracted by real Ripley. You know, it needs to be where she wins on her own by her own devices. If they don't do that, you know, what was the point? Exactly. All right. Well, like I said, uh, I have used up a like and a dislike. Uh, I'm going to go with the controversial dislike. And this is definitely not me just shoehorning something in that I wanted to talk about. But hear me out. My dislike number two is the opening match from AEW Dynamite this week with the Dark Order and Hangman Page with their awesome cowboy entrance versus the Elite in a 10-man elimination match. Uh, Joe, this could have very easily been in my likes uh, based on the entrances alone, especially the Dark Order. It looked awesome how everybody was kind of like... Uh, you know, the purple bandanas. I thought it was an awesome visual. Uh, and I even didn't mind the elite squad basketball entrance because it's supposed to be douchey and you're supposed to hate them. Uh, but the reason why this is in my dislikes is we had hangman versus Omega, like in the end of that. And we had talked about the fact that these guys have been awesome because they haven't touched yet. And not only did they square off multiple times, but you had, Omega and one of the Bucks end up winning and pinning Hangman Page. I, I could not, I can't suggest a better way you could have booked that other than to just have them never be in the ring together. But I feel like it kind of hurt some of the momentum of that angle. And I feel like it killed the crowd a little bit. Like the crowd after uh, Hangman lost that match was kind of like meh for the rest of the night, at least until you got to the Nick Gage Jericho thing. So again, it's in my dislikes because of the fact I would have really liked it if they never touched until we got to their big match. Yeah, okay, so this could have been in my dislikes, right? Yeah. Um, but it wasn't. Let's say it's like number three. Um, I like Hangman Page, but I don't live or die for Hangman Page, like a lot of people maybe do. I, I get that he's super over and had been super over up to this point, but there's a point in the match where Hangman and Kenny are face-to-face, and they touch heads, and they're jaw-jacking with each other, and they start trading blows, and I'm like, oh, shit, Hangman's losing. It was just like, because they're, like, they would, like, if they were going to do the match, they wouldn't have had them touch last night. Yeah. So something happened. And, again, we um, don't deal in rumor and innuendo. We're not that show. Uh, but, um, last night on AEW, they did announce, um, that the, uh, night before SummerSlam for the second episode of Rampage, they're going to be emanating live from the bigger building in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Darby Allen might've said something in code, uh, in his promo that's indicative of a certain, uh, person from the Chicagoland area, uh, so, you know, like I said, plans change. Um, so I'm willing to sit back and see what happens. So I can't put it in my dislikes just yet. Mm. Okay. More more maybe on that uh, innuendo in a minute. 
Okay. Uh, I'll do my other dislike. You got your ranty stuff out of the way. <laughs> uh, I do have one more like. I yes, I do like have one more well. like. And I have um, a like as well. Okay, so I'll do my other dislike. And it's a lot of the pearl clutchers online that we've seen over the last week. Um, whether it be the Nick Gage match with Broski on Saturday or the Nick Gage match with Jericho on uh, Dynamite this week as well. Um, I don't know, like, deathmatch wrestling is now mainstream. The main event of a nationally televised wrestling promotion had pizza cutters and light tubes and panes of glass. Um, I'll never forget, you know, uh, Meltzer when Hangman and Moxley did, or no, or, uh, Kenny and Moxley did their death match or their lights out on sanctioned match or whatever the hell it was on pay-per-view. And I think he said it was like 10 times worse than Big Japan, which is not a match or a thing. It's a promotion. <laughs> and that was one of the more safe, protected, gimmicked up death matches that there had ever been. Where this one, not so much, uh, even though I might have caught Jericho itching his arm at the beginning of the match. Um, <laughs> but everyone's reaction to this, whether you are a deathmatch person or not, um, you need to start embracing it. Uh, I don't think that AEW is going to do a deathmatch every week, but this is the real forbidden door that's been open. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's it's getting to be mainstream now. Um, you'll never see WWE do it. So if you don't like uh, the blood and the guts and the glass and the cutting and the light tubes and the everything else, uh, World Wrestling Entertainment has minimally uh, uh, seven hours of programming on uh, cable and national television on a weekly basis. Uh, you know, that ups to 10 on a pay-per-view weekend or a takeover weekend, it might even get up to 12. Ugh. I didn't say it was good, <laughs> uh, but it's there for you to watch. Um, you know, most of it's good. And, uh, a lot more of it's bad, but um, I can almost guarantee you'll never see any of that stuff there. Um, I, I I don't know why people go out of their way. I'll never know why people go out of their way uh, to watch something that they inherently know they're not going to like. So they can complain about how they didn't like the thing they knew they weren't going to like. Uh, I always say, I I don't need to stick my hand in a fire to know it's hot. Mm-hmm. There are certain things that I don't need to watch to know I'm not going to like it. Um, I, I, I wish a lot of these people, I could put my brain inside their heads so they can get over themselves and get over this sort of stuff. But it just kind of takes away from like the discourse... And, you know, kind of a lot of the good that's in wrestling right now. Yeah. I mean, obviously, out of the two of us, I'm more of the deathmatch ghoul than than you are, obviously. You know, obviously. long time fan of the format. But uh, Well, your favorite wrestler is the world champion of deathmatch wrestling. Exactly. So, I mean, who better to represent the the the, the genre? But uh, what I was just right. going to say is, you know, I was going to say my, my favorite wrestler has a Simpsons action figure, you know? Uh. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, uh, obviously I kid, but it's not for me. You know, it, it takes some getting used to. 
but it's not like if you don't want to watch it as you said don't watch it there's you can go from one end of the spectrum of gcw all the way down to and i don't mean down at a lower level but the other side of the spectrum to something like camp leapfrog or you know where there's there's things that are super family friendly pick something and leave the other things alone you know like you don't have to uh just because your thing isn't the the thing that's being talked about right now don't throw a hissy fit is what i'm getting at right all right joe i'm my last like and i think you alluded to it and i know you say we don't deal with rumor in and innuendo right. but uh i'm just going to throw this out real quick and, and my last like is the rumor and innuendo of a certain phil from chicago and possibly one of your favorite wrestlers uh the american dragon maybe possibly showing up in aew so again i'm not going to get into it there are no facts or anything like that uh but just this is one of the things we talked about on the car ride to and from gcw is just all the dream matches specifically with uh brian danielson that you know aew can do and have them main event you know pay-per-view after pay-per-view after pay-per-view and it just got us really excited for wrestling and i think that that's my my last like because this this these news or rumors or whatever kind of broke after we recorded or as we were recording last week so yeah. we didn't get a chance to talk about it but uh just the possibilities is is my other like there there's a lot of things that i haven't thought about and uh you know in a long time because of what might be and obviously you really like one of these guys and maybe not so much care for the other one uh, but, you know, both of these guys are people that I was huge fans of, you know, at their primes and Daniel Bryan's still in his prime. So I look forward to the possibility. So that's my other like. I, I and, and again, uh, rumor and innuendo, blah, blah, blah. One of these people main evented WrestleMania not three months ago. Yeah. Uh, the other one hasn't had an in-ring match in seven years. Sure. Oh, well, not all things are equal, obviously. <laughs> not even close. Yeah. But I cannot um, uh, overlook the fact that both uh, Brian Danielson and Phil from Chicago are absolute needle movers. Um, you know, they're names that people recognize. And AEW is making a lot of news. Like, a lot of news. They're making a lot of moves. They're taking it to the World Wrestling Entertainment. Whereas today on the investor call, uh, Vince said that they don't see AEW as competition. Um you know, like it was when it was Ted Turner putting all of his resources into WCW to try to take Vince down. Vince, as a 76-year-old, uh, minimally three years senile old man, uh, <laughs> can tell himself all he wants, and they can attempt to position themselves as uh, a Marvel-like company, an entertainment-like company, or whatever it is. That's great. The more and more they say this, the more and more people are going to find the people that they liked in WWE somewhere else. That somewhere else is AEW. And eventually, you know, they're just going to have to make a new set of excuses. Um, I'm all for AEW going whole hog, trying to actively sign these people that WWE, whether you think they did wrong or didn't give them a fair shake, or give the, or now give them the platform that they deserve. It's going to be very interesting in like six months, let's say, yeah. um, when maybe some other folks in World Wrestling Entertainment don't renew their contracts and see if and when they pop up in AEW as well, which I'm almost certain that they probably will. Yeah. Cool. 
So my last like, and this is really a coin toss, could go one way or the other. Um, let's say, uh, just because I have to be on brand, I liked the through-line narrative on NXT this past week of L.A. Knight, bad golfer, and his caddy, <laughs> Cameron Grimes. <laughs> did you do the point when you said L.A. Knight? Because I did. I did. Okay. Of course. <laughs> uh, and I can't believe Britt Baker stole that from him. Oh, the nerve. <laughs> uh, but no, were there a bunch of hackneyed jokes that we've heard a million times when it comes to golf humor? Absolutely. But I think these two are working so well together. I'm not sure if I said it on the show or if I said it like to other people like emails or direct messages or whatever it is. Um, Cause wrestling, you know, I like wrestling a lot. I talk about wrestling. I talk about comic books, you know? Mm. Um, so what, whatever your opinion is of LA Knight, I really think this pairing with Cameron Grimes is going to help both of them. Um, obviously Cameron Grimes was kind of like an ill-defined, like, heel or tweener or something and him having a very defined antagonist in LA Knight is going to help him become a bigger baby face in Cameron Grimes and whatever kinks or timing or personality or whatever that LA Knight may have been missing he is going to get in spades by being constantly paired up and doing skits and matches and so forth with Cameron Grimes because Cameron Grimes has like the personality and the character and the that sort of thing down. Perfect. And if some of that can rub off on LA Knight, once this is done, they both move off and do their separate things. One can certainly hope that it allows them both to go up the card further. Yeah. 100% agree with you. And I also, when I was watching those golf segments, I thought, like, obviously when you see this pairing and the Grimes is LA Knight's butler, like obviously at some point you're going to have the the big match where he gains his independence and maybe wins the million dollar championship, whatever. But I think there's enough legs on this that you can have, you know, tag team matches. Like we had the, the, your boys, the grizzled young veterans, you know, on the golf course. And like, it, it made me think for a second, Hey, maybe we're going to have like a tag match. And, and like, if you have these two teaming up, these two meaning Grimes and LA Knight, like maybe Grimes starts rubbing off on LA Knight a little bit. And maybe LA Knight starts to uh, become a little bit more Cameron Grimes like, you know, before finally seeing the light and going back to being a dick and having that match. But I think there's so much legs left on this because they do pair well, you know, just in their stark contrast, you know. So um, I agree with you. I, I enjoyed all those little golf segments, even though they were cliche at times. For sure. But it was still fun. Oh, yeah. 100 percent. 100 percent. I want more of it. And you don't even have to have not put neither one of them in the performance center for like the next six months. Just lots and lots of vignettes everywhere. Right. You know? So I think that's everything, right? You don't have anything else? No, that's all my likes and my dislikes. I think it's uh, just about time to go over my homework assignment. to Adam uh, the Chikara event from uh, July 2021 uh, 
from Syracuse, New York. Chikara's debut in Syracuse entitled Smack in the Middle. And uh, I'll let Adam take point and I'll chime in where I can. Okay. Um, so, as you said, Smack in the Middle, uh, the first Syracuse show. Right off the rip, the opening match of the night was DV Ant versus Green Ant. And my first thoughts after I say that Bryce and Gavin were on commentary is why is hard cam so damn close? Like it wasn't far enough back to encapsulate the entire ring in one shot. Like it didn't miss any action. You know, they panned back and forth, but it just kind of seemed weird. It was like I was watching some kind of Japanese show that Ed made us watch. You know, it just didn't capture the entire ring in one shot. But I I will say that at this point, with this being like the 47th Chikara show that you've assigned. Um, I have ant versus evil ant fatigue, and I'm just not really bought into the storyline, you know, of, Hey, the evil ants want to take the good ants uh, masks off. And that's, that's the thing. I don't know, man. It's just not for me at this point. I like the scramble matches, but I didn't really like this that much as an opening match. It was a fine match. It wasn't mm-hmm. a bad match at all, but like, I feel like, the next match that we'll talk about in a second is more of a Chikara match that I would picture as an opening match. And maybe that's because it's the first time running a town. You want to have a, a more standard wrestling fair opening a show, but you know, green ant wins with the Chikara special. And uh, like I said, I'm just kind of like eh, another ant versus ant match. I'm good. Right. Uh, I like this match. Uh, green ant was very grunty in this match. <laughs> yeah. And as you'll you'll see, as I say about a lot of these matches, uh, most of these matches, I'll say, um, there gets to be a part in the match where I feel is like, ooh, okay. I go, uh, I, I go, I feel as though they should be starting to take it home. And then, like, the finish kind of comes out of nowhere. There's a lot of the matches on the show, instead of having, like, a normal third act structure... It's um, the finish kind of comes out of nowhere. They're like trading blows, trading blows. A thing happens, a reversal happens, and then the match is just over, right? Yeah. And I think that may have been a directive from the higher ups for this weekend to kind of say like, hey, try something a little bit different instead of doing like your normal third act structure for a finish, except for the main event, of course. Where it's like trading big shots, trading big shots, trading big shots. Or we do like a whole long line of spots. If you have a long line of spots in your head, like, and let's say there's 10 of them, have the finish be like during the third one as opposed to the 10th spot. Does that make any sense? Yeah, just a mix up, make it less predictable, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. So I think that was definitely a directive this weekend. Okay. Uh, next up, we have Jakob Hammermeyer versus Sugar Dunkerton. Uh, as I mentioned, I feel like if this was in front of a traditional home Chikara crowd, this would have been my pick to open the show because it's more of your comedy fest. You know, I, I mentioned this last time we saw Jakob wrestle. I love the fact that he comes out, introduces himself, and then runs back for his theme music. Um, this is my first time seeing Sugar in a match. I know he did commentary for the last show we did. And it was very interesting that his jersey number would be 69, despite this being a family-friendly show. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really liked when Sugar had Jakob's ponytail and a hammerlock and then pressed it down and did the stomp spots on his on Jakob's hair. I thought that was awesome. I liked the 
spot where Sugar replaces his head in a headlock with the basketball without Jakob knowing about it. Uh, so a lot of good comedy stuff that I'm a big fan of. Jakob pokes Sugar in the eye, lands a, no- a neck breaker for the win. Uh, there's another one where this had a little bit more of like your structure. It was like Sugar's come back, Sugar's come back, Sugar's come back. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, thumb to the eye, neck breaker finish. Um, I did like that Jakob didn't fall for the headlock basketball thing for very long. He <laughs> fell he fell for it just long enough for like everyone to get it. Uh, I did notice at the beginning of the match that the crowd comedians were out in force. Oh, yeah. But luckily, like, the quality of the show more or less shut them up for the rest of the show. Yeah, yeah, I, I have that in my notes later on that they were pretty getting pretty bad at some point. Um, and I liked, I, I and again, I liked the comedy hair work that was done in this match, uh, but more on that later. <laughs> uh, next up, we have the Shard versus Jigsaw, uh, another mask versus mask guy. Uh, obviously uh, I see a lot in, in some of these guys, you know, uh, this, the shard is an impressive, you know, I feel like he's only going to get bigger over time. You know, we'll see. uh, at one point jigsaw does a top rope, uh, drop kick and just nails the shard right in the face. It was really impressive. Uh, but jigsaw wins with like a cross body splash, kind of an unremarkable finish. And then jigsaw refuses a handshake from the shard, which, uh, I didn't get like the storyline reasoning for that. Cause I assumed the shard was the bad guy. He was the Rudo. And uh, so it kind of seemed odd. Like, obviously you're not going to trust the heel, but the fact that it was kind of glossed over uh, was kind of weird. Yeah. So, uh, you know, just like we have the three evil ants shard is supposed to be like the evil opposite number of jigsaw 17 mm. who we've seen here and there. So it's supposed to be the evil opposite number of quack. Uh, so that's that whole thing. And uh, this story will play out over more uh, episodes uh, as we watch more Chikara stuff. Uh, a couple things I want to mention, and I, I'm going to tell a, a long story here as well. Um, so a lot of people in wrestling, you know, and this goes back to the World Wrestling Entertainment days. Diesel wasn't just Diesel. He was Big Daddy Cool Diesel. And uh-huh. Razor Ramon wasn't just Razor Ramon. He was the bad guy, Razor Ramon. And Shawn Michaels was the heartbreak kid and everything like that, right? Yep. Uh, so a lot of people in Chikara already had those things which are called value propositions. It's an extra name that adds and explains of who this person is. You know, Lightning by Quackenbush is, you know, the master of a thousand holds. And, you know, uh, Mant- Mantis is the angry insect evildoer or the most devious man in wrestling or whatever it is. Uh, Jigsaws in this was the soaring jet of Lucha Libre. One did not stick. And also, uh, I, I think Jigsaw chose that because he's a Jets fan. So don't <laughs> hold that against him. Um, and I think this may have been also around the same time that Jigsaw may have done like a couple tapings for TNA. And they had changed his name from Jigsaw to Rubik's. Okay. Um, I'm almost certain that it was like either the weekend before or the weekend after this weekend. Um, now on commentary, uh, Gavin loudspeaker makes a reference and he says kind of a non sequitur and it reminded me of something. He says sharp as a bathtub, uh, sharp as a Howard Johnson bathtub north of the border. Okay. Okay, so what this reminds so what this reminds me of is a story that I'm going to tell. Um, and I will say I'm not going to name names. Oh. 
But <laughs> if you want to know the names, I will tell you the names. Okay? <laughs> yeah. So we were in Canada the night before. Several people stayed in Canada uh, and decided we're going to cross over the border in the morning. Other people drove through the border and got some place to stay in the States. Okay. Uh, yeah. There was a carload of people that um, were going to stay in the States. But one of the people in this car load was bringing a Canadian native across the border with them. This Canadian native had no ID, um, no passport, uh, was unemployed at the time, so were unable to provide a reason why they were crossing the border. Uh, that held that carload up at the border for many, many hours to get the whole thing sorted out. Um, then the person who was bringing this Canadian native across the border may have locked his car mates out of the room so that he could partake in extracurricular activities with this person that he was bringing across the border. Hmm. Um, then, uh, this person may have gotten to the building early and was kind of holding court, uh, maybe no pun intended. With some of the folks that were here from 2CW, because this was their venue, that were in the Young Lions Cup match a little bit later on in the evening. And then that person also, on their trip home, uh, didn't chip in for gas with his car mates. Hmm. Um, now, I will say, um, this was nine years ago, and this person maybe has changed. Uh, but when you make that bad of a first impression, uh, or second impression, or third impression, or fourth impression, mm. uh, it's kind of tough to forget that. Yeah. Uh, maybe there might be another story coming up when we talk about King of Trios in a couple months. Oh, up until the King of Trios part, I thought you were talking about Bret Hart. No. <laughs> no. Was not Bret Hart. Uh, so yeah, that just, uh... Reminded me of that story is all. Okay, fair enough. All right, so next up we have Tim Donst, uh, a freshly shaved head. Tim Donst, if you remember, his head was shaved on the last Chikara show we talked about, uh, versus Sarah Del Rey. And, Joe, I want to preface this by saying two things. Tim Donst is a very good wrestler. Sarah Del Rey is a very good wrestler. This match was too fucking long. This match just went on and on and on and on and on. And it was very competent for the entire time, but it just went on too long. Sarah wins via sunset flip, but I was just like, come on already. Uh, so this one kind of, uh, again, I like both of these people. Uh, I've liked all of their matches that I've seen them involved in. And uh, Sarah Del Rey doesn't get the you know credit that she deserves, uh, but this match was just long and it, it hurt. <laughs> so... Uh, this match was 11 minutes long. It felt like it was longer. <laughs> Shorter than the previous match. It was? Oh. Yes. <laughs> the the previous Jigsaw Shard match was 12 minutes long. Um, I, This match was a second instance of there being hair work. Where Donst, uh, having been freshly shorn, was working Sarah Del Rey's hair. Granted... Two matches prior was more comedy hair work, and this was more serious hair work, if there's such a thing. It's shoot hair work. Uh, right. <laughs> shoot hair work. Uh, I like the match just fine. It was to build up Sarah, because she's going to be the next challenger for uh, Eddie Kingston's title. So she needed a win here. All right. 
Uh, next up, the Bravado Bros uh, versus Bravado Brothers, whatever it is, uh, versus Ultramantis Black and Hollow Wicked. We had a promo at the beginning from the Bravados uh, where they basically said, my grandma says deviancy is looked down upon in society. Uh, and I realized I, I really hate these Bravado guys for no reason. And, and I guess mission accomplished because that's the uh, the, uh, you know, the response that they're looking for. So um, we have Gavin and Quack on commentary. We had at one point a test of strength where each team was on their partner's shoulders and it turned into headlocks and running the ropes. I thought, again, I'm a sucker for the stupid comedy stuff. Um, Mantis ends up countering a roll up and grabs the ropes to get the win. Uh, well, again, he's devious, so of course yes. he's going to cheat. Um, yes. I like this match. Uh, I thought it was fun. It was fast-paced. Um, I think it really shines a light on how underutilized the Bravados were. Uh, yeah. And I'm glad one of them is currently in NXT, hoping that he gets a chance and an opportunity. They seem pretty high on him. Um, but uh, So you mentioned that Mantis gets the pin with a roll-up and holding onto the ropes. But, like, the finish was, like, kind of fucked up. Like, they were out of position, and Mantis went to grab the ropes, and they weren't close enough. Or, like, where they pinned, and that was supposed to be the finish. So Mantis had to kind of lean a little bit more to get to the ropes, and then he really wasn't pinning anyone. Yeah. Um. But, again, these things happen. You know, ring positioning is key. Yep. All right, so next up is a four-way elimination match, which I assume was comprised of people from other indies. You know, because we have Mr. Touchdown with Veronica Ticklefeather representing uh, Chikara. And then we had Ryan Rush, Trip Cassidy, and Jason Axe. Uh, for this match, we are joined by LFC, Leonard F. Chikarson on commentary, as well as Sugar Dunkerton. Uh, Sugar was there to kind of, like, talk about Mr. Touchdown, because obviously him and Dasher and Touchdown are in the throwbacks. Uh, Trip and Axe are eliminated pretty darn quickly. So we get to basically Mr. Touchdown versus Ryan Rush for the majority of the match. And Mr. Touchdown wins via a pop-up spinebuster. Uh, yeah, this was just essentially a glorified showcase for Mr. Touchdown uh, en route to contending for the Young Lions Cup later on this year. Uh, I don't know if we'll be watching that show, but when we get to it in the chronology, we'll talk about it. Um, I'm almost certain that Ryan Rush and Jason Axe were two CW regulars. Uh, Trip Cassidy was from the Indiana area, um, looking to get a foothold in Chikara and is no longer in the business for variety and sundry reasons. <laughs> All right, next up we have Assailant versus Soldier Ants, LFC and Quack on commentary. And Joe, remember what I said earlier about Evil Ants versus Good Ants? Yeah. Yeah, just double that. Uh, Soldier Ant is knocked off the top rope, hits his head and is penned. Uh, so this match, uh, they beat the shit out of each other and it was awesome. Uh, <laughs> soldier ant, like for the rest of the year from this point on, like I mentioned it on commentary, it's like, oh, it's a, something is awakened in soldier ant. He's more aggressive and so on and so forth. Watch every soldier ant match from here on out for the rest of this project that we're watching. Like whoever he's wrestling, he just beats the shit out of them. It's crazy. <laughs> um, they give each other like multiple suplexes on the floor with the, with the mats pulled up, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Assailant gives as good as he gets, but you ain't get, you ain't given to Soldier Ant as good as he's given it to you. And just uh, never forget that. <laughs> 
And I, I don't know if it was during this match or earlier or multiple times. I, I feel like a lot of times I was distracted by the very, very, very large security guard that Jakar had near the the backstage area. So a lot of times I was just not unable to focus on what was going on in the ring because I was like, Jesus Christ, that dude is huge just back there. Yeah, good-looking man there. Uh, yeah. I, you know, taking <laughs> notes, very Kevin Nash-esque. Yeah when, Ke- yeah, when Kevin Nash got to be uh, in the corner for Shawn Michaels matches from 1993 to 1994 and just got to be there and watch as Shawn takes on like Mr. Perfect and Bret Hart and like all these top tier talent guys and just sit there and learn, sit under the learning tree, you know? Yeah, but uh, well, big things come for that guy, I think. All right, so next up we have... Uh, a four-way match. We have Icarus, Gargano, Chuck Taylor, a.k.a. Fist, joined by Ophidian versus El Generico 3.0 and Gran Akuma. Um, and again, 3.0 Olay, one of the greatest trios just ever. Uh, but speaking of 3.0 Olay, we have a rooftop promo <laughs> involving them where basically I forget which one of them from 3.0 uh, was or- originally talking. Who was this? Jagged. Name? Jagged. So he's basically telling Generico, look out and everything the sun touches could be yours if you stick with us. Right. Uh, but I mean, that was a great little promo. Um, at one point... The uh, there's water spilled in the ring and Icarus, I, I think, shoots slips on it. If not, it was pretty convincing. And then obviously that's the focus. The heels are throwing a fit about how Bryce would allow there to be a puddle in the ring. Um, Generico and Gargano's little interactions were awesome. You know, obviously those two guys, um, you know, leaps and bounds, some of the, the best wrestlers in the world. At one point, we have a quadruple Boston Crab attempt which was very fun. I liked the commentary line of Chuck having illegal culinary accessory, which is his bib uh, or her smock or whatever. And I also really liked the spot where pretty much every baby face just took turns repeatedly hitting Icarus with all their spots. Uh, yeah. it, was, it was really fun. But any, at the end of the day, Matthews uh, submits Ophidian with the Boston Crab, it, such is the way every 3.0 match should end. Uh, I like this match. It was fun. I love that promo beforehand. Um, uh, Matt and Jeff and Generico have such good chemistry together. Um, and this is one of my favorite bits, and there's a fun match. Um, sadly, this is like, you know, you said you don't like the uh, Ants versus Evil Ants stuff. This is the first show that you get to watch, and it's mentioned a little bit here, the Chikarba Metric stuff. Yeah, I heard some mentioning of yeah. that. I was like, so, uh... Wink Vavasur, the current director of fun, is pointed to be inept. Uh-huh. Um, he gets the job because of his dad got him the job or whatever <laughs> it is. So he starts randomly putting different people on different teams because, like, like Moneyball had just come out, the movie Moneyball, because I even mentioned it on commentary. And it's essentially, like, figuring out, like, I ran the numbers – and if I put this person on this team, it'll be more efficient. Oh, sabermetrics for wrestling. Okay. There you go. Okay. So that's the gimmick of what it is. And as it becomes more of a thing, we'll talk more about it. But this was like the beginning of it as to like why Ophidian is paired up with Fist and why Akuma is paired up with 3.0 and Generico. 
storyline reason that's why. Um, it's the excuse for, oh, we have a bunch of random, like, six and eight and ten man tag matches all the time. Like, maybe this is a way to explain why they happen. <laughs> okay. I, I I can buy that. Yeah. All right. Next up, the main events for the Grand Championship. We have Eddie Kingston defending against Dasher Hatfield. Uh, first, we have a promo from Eddie Kingston basically saying that, you know, he likes Dasher, but uh, he'll do what he has to do to put Dasher down. Uh, so that was pretty good. LFC and Sugar on commentary. Right off the, the beginning, you have Dasher Hatfield slapping Eddie Kingston in the ass and going good game. And then Kingston slaps the taste out of Dasher's face. Like at that point, you knew that this wasn't going to be uh, a comedy match that you've been getting, you know, a lot from Dasher prior to this. At one point, you even said, oh, I apologize. Leonard F. Chikarson even said, you know, Dasher Hatfield matches break into baseball games, but Kingston matches break into fights. And I think that was a great uh, line of Leonard F. Chikarson's there. Um, so many, as I said, of Dasher's matches have been comedy matches like him against Cole Cabana that we talked about in a while. But this match reminds you that he's a very good professional wrestler and he's not to be taken lightly. Um, they chopped and beat the shit out of each other for a while. Suplexes for days onto each other's heads. Uh, at one point, basically Eddie Kingston gets the win from doing, uh, rolling three suplexes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Dasher, I'm sorry, Dasher's left defeated in the ring. Eddie Kingston leaves. Sugar comes out to kind of check on his partner. But I liked how not only did Eddie Kingston come out to just kind of briefly raise Dasher's hand, but he also told, you know, without saying get the fuck out, he basically said to Sugar Dunker and get out of the ring. Yeah. Uh, but it was very aggressive, and you knew it was like, hey, you didn't earn this spot in the ring, but Dasher did, you know? Yeah. So it was a cool little nod there. Um, and then there there is some after the credits stuff we'll talk about in a second. But I, I really like the main event. Uh, obviously, I know what Dasher is capable of, yeah. but based on this timeline, this was the first time that I got to see Dasher go really full you know, all out. So this is the beginning of that. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the dasher that you may know today is a very good professional wrestler. This is that beginning, you know, we mentioned on commentary and it was one of those things where like, wasn't like, um, there was no directive to say like, Hey, Dasher's going to go a year undefeated in singles matches. Make sure you bring it up all the time. It was one of those things of like, now that he has the title shot and mention it, so everyone goes back and says, oh, holy shit, he has been undefeated in singles matches because he's been undefeated in singles matches, right? Yeah. And a lot of times, as you mentioned, like they, the night before was the match with Generico. He had the match with um, Colt Cabana, and he's had a lot of other jokey and ha-ha matches, but he would always win, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a year-long winning streak. Again, it's not like hundreds of matches, but again, it's a year-long winning streak. Um, he gets to be the first person to kick out of the back fist in Chikara, and he gets the moment where Eddie Kingston, who is a loner, et cetera, et cetera, doesn't respect anyone, everything's about the title. Dasher gets that moment where he gets the handshake, he gets the bit of respect from Eddie Kingston, and he gets to be the one to, like, kind of, you know, bask in the moment. He didn't win, but, like, he's on his way. Yeah. And, you know, whatever it ends up being, I think almost, like, seven years later, he ends up getting there. Um, but I love this match because I love both these guys. Um, 
you know, this match was exactly what it needed to be. Um, Eddie Kingston was right to tell Sugar to get out of the ring, mm-hmm. as you mentioned. And uh, like I said, it was this was like the beginning of the build of Dasher being like a credible contender, top tier guy in Chikara. Yeah. All right. And as I mentioned, there is after the credits, uh, a Chikara update where it's where in the world is Archibald Peck. I was getting ready to just completely bury this show, Joe, because there was no Archibald Peck anywhere on there, but they snuck it in at the very last minute. And we see Archie basically very somberly walking around, you know, lost uh, as we did at the end of the last show. And I, I do have to ask you in just a moment, uh, do we get, like, obviously we're skipping around and there's Chikar shows that we didn't cover, Yeah, you know, in between. Is there where in the world is Archibald Peck that was on those shows? Uh, no, but uh, as I mentioned, there was no, like, ancillary material for you to watch before this show. Yeah. Where there was a couple promos and stuff that I had you watch before the previous show. Yeah, yeah. For the next show in two weeks, uh, when I assign that show, the ancillary material is all of the where in the world is Archibald Pax. Okay, so I'll be able to, like, there won't be one that I missed just because we skipped the show because the show might have otherwise been unremarkable or anything like that. Correct. We only actually skipped one show, and that was the okay. the night before show in Strathroy, whatever, Ontario, Canada. Uh, it had the Dasher... El Generico match, but really outside of that, nothing of note uh, other than if you had a uh, tape recorder and got to listen to me and Malcolm Bivens speak the entire night, Um, you know, other than that, that was really the only thing of note that happened that night. Uh, Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, on this particular uh, Where in the World is Archibald Peck, uh, we see Archie walking uh, in Stanford outside of WB headquarters uh, where he briefly looks over and then shakes his head. No, no, he hasn't fallen that far. Uh, he's not going to uh, going up to New York. But I, I liked it. You know, whatever. Want to see more MMA, more Archibald Peck. But uh, overall, uh, I did enjoy the show. Some matches just felt longer than others. Some flew by. Uh, but I mean. Yeah, top to bottom, pretty good. Uh, I'm going to say that my MVPs, of as far as matches, my favorite matches were the Fist and Ophidian versus 3.0 Lay and Granakuma, and obviously the main event. Those are my two big ones. Yeah, yeah. And uh, obviously, there's a natural build of a show. You and I could argue whether or not the uh, Green Ant, Deviant, or Jakob versus Sugar should have been the opener. And like I said, six of one, half a dozen the other regarding that, you know? Yeah. Um. But the mat, like the show, kind of built like maybe like you know you you got like Jigsaw Shard, Donston, Sarah, Bravados, and uh, Mantis and Hollow Wicked. Those matches maybe could have like a minute or two shaved off, but not really. Once it gets to those last three matches, you had like eleven minutes, sixteen minutes, seventeen minutes. Nothing was like I don't think anything really overstayed its welcome, but. I'm the type of guy, like, every match can have, like, a couple, like, a minute or two shaved off of it. But that's just me. Yeah, I think the the show was, like, two hours, 37 minutes, counting the credits and stuff like that. You know, eh, maybe 2.15 would have been better. Right. And I will say, uh, like, with the ancillary material, there's one, two, three, four, five, six. Where in the world is Archibald Pax? Perfect. Give me more. I'm good. All right, Joe, are you ready for your homework for next week? Yes. Don't worry. I came up with this one all by myself. Nobody nobody helped me with this one. Mm-hmm. 
Joe, are you a fan of ECW wrestling? I am a fan of ECW wrestling. All right. Are you a fan of the only ECW that made any money? Sure. <laughs> well, Joe, thanks to YouTube, an entire episode of ECW that we will be watching is available for free in its entirety. And that is from December 29th, 2009. And the main event of this show, and there's other stuff we have to watch. You have to watch the entire show. But I have no idea what the other matches are, so it'll be a surprise for both of us. But in the main events, we have the battle of the ECW originals. We have the innovator of violence, Tommy Dreamer, versus the future deathmatch legend and the god of this shit, Zack Ryder, where if Tommy Dreamer loses, he will retire forever. And I figured what better way to uh, just kind of wrap up the week of Broski uh, than to watch, you know, one of the earliest like inklings that he was going to become the face of hardcore wrestling. So uh, I, this is going to be our, our show homework this week. It locks in at about 45 minutes total, very snackable. Perfect. But uh, I look forward to the surprise of what other gems are in ECW in 2009. But uh, yeah, let's do this. Well, again, I, I will say, you know, there's a very famous match. Um, you know, this is the match where Broski becomes the heart and soul of ECW. Yes, I know. And again, this is why I think it's very apropos that we watch this now. And plus, since I am not going to subject you to watching the entire Best of Zack Ryder DVD, uh, this is uh, my compromise. Okay. And I'm sure that this exists on Peacock if you're so inclined to the World Wrestling Entertainment Network or whatever the hell, you know? Yeah. I mean, this is actually... Is on the official like WWE YouTube, so you're not even doing anything shady by watching it on there. I'd prefer to do something shady, you know? <laughs> yeah, this is true. I I'm sure they somehow managed to have to edit out music that they at one time owned, but now don't. Right. <laughs> so it's possible that a shady way might be preferable. Plus, we all know that watching ECW uh, on anything that the WWE provides is inopportune or it it like not ideal, you know? For sure. But yes, the link will be in the show notes. I will send that over to you so that everybody can participate in the uh, origins of the uh, Deathmatch Legend Broski. So I mentioned, uh, you know, of course, other wrestling this weekend. You know, hopefully you don't have a Peacock subscription. Um, oh, and you know what? I forgot to mention only because, you know, we talked about the Chikara show and Kevin, uh, three-time winner of the At Odds Mania over on his blog, Masked Library. Uh, I don't know if you saw, he put up a video. Yeah. Kind of a pseudo unboxing of all the stuff that he's won and gotten from us this year. Yeah. Um, but he actually did a write-up on this show last year at the height of the pandemic because he was at this show. And then he just kind of like copy and pasted it into a new post uh, to follow along. I meant to mention at the beginning of the assignment, but here we are talking about it there. And I would also be remiss not to mention uh, Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, uh, independentwrestling.tv. Use the promo code at odds. Does not get you anything as a new subscriber, but it just lets Jerry know that you signed up as a referral from us. Uh, big weekend of uh, live streaming events. Sunday is the Basket Brawl, where Dan Champ is going to have to put up or shut up, uh, not only with his wrestling skills, but with his basketball skills. And uh, knowing how good Dan is at both, um, I think he's going to serve a lot of people their lunch this weekend. 
<laughs> um, so, or Friday is uh, AIW Chandler Biggins Memorial Cup. This is the big wrap-up uh, to yeah. the Go For Broke series that they did a few months ago. Um, sadly, Dom Guarini had to bow out due to injuries. He was my odds-on favorite to take the whole thing. But if you're a betting man, uh, I say put all your money on Wes Barkley. And after you get those winnings, take, you know, pay the VIG. Mm-hmm. Don't lose any money. And then the next night, Saturday, uh, ECWA Women's Super 8. Uh, put those extra winnings on Erica Lee because I think she's taken that one home as well. Um, so, like I said, lots of great wrestling to check out on the independent l- level uh, this weekend, of course. Check out RT Public Store, which is linked up to the mothership. Uh, Longbox Heroes, that's tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes, where you can get a bunch of designs inspired by adults with wrestling on cell phone covers, notebooks, throw pillows, tapestries, all sorts of shit. And uh, any and all of your Amazon purchases in every single episode show notes is our affiliate link. They, Amazon, call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Adam happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the fucking money. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Also, I would be remiss, uh, you know, I know Amazon now piecemeals a lot of their services out, like Amazon Music is here, and Amazon Gaming is there, and Amazon Books are here, and like Dash Buttons are there, or whatever, but uh, up until the 6th of August, if you sign up for Amazon Prime Video, you sign up for their pr- free trial through our affiliate link, usually when you sign up for one of those services, they call it a bounty and they give us two bucks. Up until August 6th, if you do the free trial for Amazon Prime Video, they give us 10 bucks. So you don't have Amazon Prime Video. And probably a lot of people listening to this already do. But if you don't, you want to give it a try, you want to give us 10 bucks, you could do that. Or you could just PayPal us 10 bucks. Either way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, either is a good option for us. But I think the the free trial that you can cancel the next day if you're so inclined might be yeah. better for everybody. You know? Or do both. Yeah, or fine. do both. That's right. Uh, my PayPal is uh, threeguysfromnowhere at gmail.com. Uh, you know, you want to know names of people that I mentioned <laughs> in stories that I pr- try to protect their innocence. You know, price yeah, is right. We'll talk, pal. There you, there you go. And, and as always, I sell Joe's secrets for half price. So he'll just tell me off the air that I can sell them. <laughs> Speaking of selling secrets half price, there's other podcasts that people should listen to. And I just want to say right off the bat that there is a temporary ceasefire between this podcast and Final Wrestling Place. So go check them out. Also, Longbox Heroes, We Need Wrestling, Porch Talk, Wrestling, Cheers, Between the Sheets, The House Show Podcast, Viewer's Choice, Pod Van Dam, Not Another Sports Podcast, Hellions Talks, and The A Show. And also, uh, coming soon, uh, Hit My Music. This is another podcast that I'm hearing rumors about, Joe. Oh, I thought you were giving me like a musical cue that I wasn't ready for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, add, add Hit My Music to your list and also add IWTV Guide. Um, they just had Josh Bishop on as, uh, as an interview subject. And I'm going to be on next month to talk about a Chikara show that happens prior to the time that we're talking about here. You on somebody's podcast? What? Inconceivable. I, listen, I thought I had retired from appearing on other podcasts, but apparently all it takes is someone just asking me to do it, and I'll do it. <laughs> they figured out the secret code. <laughs> Sadly, yes. Oh, fair enough. 
Well, I think that's it for the main show, Joe. Yeah, I guess uh, it's time for uh, Adam to bear his soul <laughs> and talk about the plane ticket that he bought for Todd this week in weekly purchases. <laughs> I did not buy Todd any plane ticket. He can get his own stinking art on his own. He doesn't need my help. And, so uh, I just want to throw this out here. So he learned that one of his favorite artists, um, he was hoping that this artist would be at Terrificon in Mohegan Sun in Connecticut this weekend. Yep. Uh, because like the, it's like the whole Jonah Hex Palmiotti crew is there at Terrificon. Uh, Palmiotti himself, uh, Amanda Connor, uh, Frank Thierry is going to be there. Uh, Justin Gray is going to be there. But one of the more regular artists on that Jonah Hex run, Moritat, isn't going to be there because he's at this convention in North Carolina. And Todd's like, oh, how come you didn't mention this one? And he sends me the link to it. And it's like, oh, because their website's a piece of shit and won't load on my computer. <laughs> uh, so I look forward to talking to him on Porch Talk about uh, what he did or didn't do to get that art this week. Absolutely. Right. So what did you spend money on this week, Adam? <sighs> what didn't I fucking spend money on this week, Joe? Um, so obviously there were a lot of San Diego Comic-Con things going on sale this week. Some stuff uh, impossible to get, some stuff easy to get, and some stuff in between. So uh, I, I don't know quite how many things I have, but I'm going to start from the top and then I'll throw it over to see if you have any purchases. But uh, the first thing I purchased, and this was something that went on sale right when all the San Diego Comic-Con stuff went on sale, but it was on Walmart's website and surprisingly didn't sell out, Joe. You can actually go and get one if you want one. Uh, it is the Walmart exclusive McFarlane DC Multiverse Suit of Sorrows Azrael figure, which is just basically an Azrael figure that's repainted white. Uh, this went on sale through Walmart's website. I may have ordered two, uh, as I often do, because I am the Michael Jordan of Azrael figure collecting. And I made sure to tell friend of the show, Shane Hagedorn, uh, about it. And he picked one up because he's the Scotty Pippen of Azrael figure collecting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. Uh, so, yeah, I got that uh, and I needed that. So uh, I also we talked about last week. Uh, me purchasing a Starscream and a Bumblebee Transformers Red Edition which are those okay. non-transforming Transformers. Yes. Um, so apparently, again, for San Diego Comic-Con, a new one went on sale on Walmart's website. I was able to go ahead and grab it real quick, and I'm just sending it to you so, as I think you'll appreciate it. It is a Megatron based on the 1986 movie when he is being reformatted by Unicron. Ooh. So he's kind of like uh, purple with the grid on him. Uh, you should see it any second now. I think it is awesome. I'm sure eventually I would have stumbled upon it in a store, but I, you know, I'd just rather have the pre-order and, you know, hopefully it doesn't get canceled like most Walmart stuff does. Uh, I think you're seeing it now. So. Oh yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So again, that's just a repaint of the regular Megatron, but I thought it was awesome. Um, two other quick things, and I'll send it over to you. Uh, I also, as I had threatened to do previously, I purchased uh, two Bob Cardona micro brawlers. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, what's better than one is two. You, then you, you know one... the joke about buying two of something, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. You've already done it twice. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, so I purchased that. Uh, they sold out, unlike the Mark Sterling and Swaggle micro, um, micro or mini buddies or whatever. So I just want to say. 
Um, and lastly, I I broke down. I said that I had interest in this, but uh, due to my inability, at least at the time, to get any of the wrestling figures that went up, you know, that were announced, I did purchase the Tommaso Ciampa ringside exclusive. The one with, like, the hood and the mask nah. and stuff like that. I like it. I don't care. Yeah. It's my only Ciampa figure, so I ordered it. Uh, so... Um, the only, I only purchased, I did make a purchase this week, right? Oh, thank God. One purchase. Now I know we discussed this last week. Uh, there is, when you purchase stuff through zombie sailor, Uh um, when I, when he did the pre-order for series one of heels and faces, um, those were five bucks off on the pre-order. This one was not five bucks off. Um, you just got the, uh, if you were the major wrestling figure pod group. You just got to do the early pre-order. You get the card, and then there's the hundred cards that are signed by not not in an ironic way. I would definitely say maybe one of my top ten favorite wrestlers of all time, and that's J E double F J A double R E double T. That's Jeff Jarrett, the world's greatest singer, the world's greatest wrestler, and the world's smartest wrestler as well. I'd say almost uh, when you're talking about smart wrestlers who know how to play the game, uh, <laughs> uh, Triple H likes to think that he is. Kevin Nash is pretty close. Mm-hmm. But I would say that Double J is right at the top of that list who are like the carniest, but like most, like you can't hate them. Like they rob you blind and stab you in the back, but they're just so charming and sweet talk you. You're yeah. just like, I can't stay mad at you, Double J. <laughs> but uh, I'm about two figures away uh, from needing a detolf. Now, we need to have a conversation about this because I am a mint on card collector. And that yes. doesn't necessitate itself to a detolf. So I might need to start getting fig protectors to start putting people up on the wall and then creating a wall. And I have to give a shout out to friend of the show, uh, you know, day one-ish listener. He put together the list. Uh, for me, of all of the uh, figs that are coming out from Zombie Sailor, right? Okay. Um, so I know a bunch of them were announced um, for the San Diego stuff. Mm-hmm. And I have to, he didn't include Series 2 in there because I think Series 2 is pretty clearly designated. Give me just a second. Because, like, yeah. So series two in this list, uh, Kevin Ford. Okay. So series two is Kevin Sullivan. Pass. King Kong Bundy. Pass. Uh, Bruiser Brody. Eh, probably pass, but a good figure. Dan Housen. Pass for me, but I'll take the heat on that. And Raven. That's a maybe. That's okay. a maybe for me. Raven's a number one with a bullet, right? Yeah. So here's who else has been announced but has not been designated to a set yet, okay? Yeah. Barry Horowitz. Oh, pass. Jack Tunney. Pass. Mr. Hughes. Pass. Enzo. Big pass. One Man Gang. Pass. Rock and Roll Express. Pass, pass. (laughs) Sex Ferguson. Pass. Smart Mark Sterling. I will purchase that. Swoggle. Probably a pass. 
Todd Pettengill. Pass. Bill Alfonso. Uh, begrudgingly a pass. RVD. Pass. Did I say the Rock and Roll Express? You said yes, pass, I... pass. <laughs> um, Slick. Pass. And Power and Glory. Pass, pass. But, I mean, it's a huge assortment. So, I'm huge. obviously, I'm not the target audience for these guys just because... I don't know, like, we talked about this on the car ride to Atlantic City. I'm not I, a huge retro guy, you yeah. know? Like, I bought the the Pod Boys, but, like, we were talking about the WWE Hasbros bringing back the retros, and then I was like, eh, I don't even want them. And they were like, well, what if there's an Alexa Bliss? And I was like, honestly, I don't. I just buy the Elite. So uh, I, there's a lot of heavy hitters in those assortments or those, you know, future lineups. But I am happy to say that I don't need to chase any of those but I'm sure you need half of them. No, now see, okay, so that's the thing. So there was no designation of like who was coming out when and how and what groupings, you know what I mean? Like, sure, I went it's through just series- who was signed. Right, I'm like, I went through series two and the only one that I'm getting is Raven, right? Yeah. I'm not a full set collector. I'm like, I like Raven's like one of my, I mentioned Double J's one of my top 10. Raven's like, if not my number one, my top three, depending on the day that we're talking, you know? Yeah. Um, but the rest of the ones that are here, I was on the fence about power and glory. Okay. Yeah. And I'm like, if power and glory is next, because they were actually one of the more first ones announced out of this whole list. And I'm like, if they're on the same set as Raven, I don't know if I could pull the trigger on all th- all three of those. But with power and glory not being in this set, and Slick is their manager. Depending on when they come out, I'm probably going to get Power and Glory and Slick. Because, like, if I'm going to get Power and Glory and they have Slick, who's their manager, I got to get all three of them, right? But Mm. who knows how they're going to come out? They've typically been sets of five so far. So, already on this list, there's three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen people to be broken up in sets of five. Yeah. I could see them doing tag teams as a set and doing Rock and Roll Express, Power and Glory, and someone else as a tag team set, you know? Like, throw Smart Mark and Swoggle in there that you can only get them together. Yeah. Just to kind of, like, cause to think that, oh, maybe one of these guys in this tag team won't sell that well, so we need to make you buy both of them, you know? Yeah, and I think, and, and so that's the thing, depending on what they look like, if they did a two-pack, of Marky and Swoggle, I'd be like, ah, you know, that might maybe get me itchy, you know? Yeah. You know, I would definitely, I mean, throwing in Swoggle wouldn't discourage me from buying the the Smart Mark. I would just be like, ah, oh, son of a bitch, you got me. I go, all right, I got to buy two, you know? Right. Figures, so it wouldn't turn me off. It would just put more money in, in everybody's pockets. Um. So, like I said, you know, we're talking about, so that's it. That was my purchase. I pre-ordered Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Um. So... You're like I said, I'm about two figures away from opening people and getting a detolf or having to get a bunch of fig uh, protectors and hanging people on the wall. Yeah, I, I'm going to be honest with you. You and I and Kevin talked about the Jeff Jarrett and I had jokingly just said hard pass, you know, and I got some shit for it. Uh, honestly, like the fact that the Jarrett is kind of a release on its own. You know, it's like the San Diego Comic-Con exclusive that you can buy, you know, right now uh, through Zombie. It got me thinking, I was like, maybe I do want it, 
you know, <laughs> but I, I haven't pulled the trigger, obviously. But uh, I thought about it for a second. I did come around a little bit. All right, Joe, I am not done with my purchases. Just a couple other things. Um, of course not. Of course not. The WWE Walmart exclusive Hollywood Elite They Live Roddy Piper figure. I purchased two of them. I managed to pre-order them right before they sold out, like in the minute and a half that they were available on Walmart's website. So I have two of those incoming. Uh, There may be some negotiations between myself and Brett from We Need Wrestling regarding what I'm going to do with that second Piper, but uh, that shall be uh, discussed in the future. Speaking of things that I got from Walmart's website in the seconds that they were available, and I'll tell you what, Joe, I ordered two of this. I don't even want one of them. I purely bought these to be a filthy, dirty flipper because fuck Sting and fuck Sting fans. What? So I, bought... <laughs> I say that jokingly. I bought two of the Walmart exclusive AEW unmatched Sting figures, which are the ones where his face paint is half Stinger and half Darby. I don't know if... Did you see those? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... They went up very briefly. They had a limit of, uh, I don't know, I think it was two, but I ordered two of them, and those are absolutely coupons for a future deal. Uh, And those are something else that sold out in like a half a second. So it's not like I took them and I could have texted somebody and be like, hey, these are available. They would have been gone. So I took them to keep them away from a flipper that you don't know because I feel like the the flipper you know is okay. You know, (laughs) it's the one you don't know that's a problem. Um. So that's it for my my San Diego Comic-Con inspired uh, purchases. I do have one other purchase at the end, but uh, aside from the ringside, you know, retros, is there anything else from the San Diego reveals that kind of caught your eye? The only thing that's a much uh, a must purchase is uh, the Chainsaw Charlie, and that's like Elite 92, I think. Yeah. So it's still a little ways away before the pre-order goes up on that. I think there's at least two sets before that even comes out. We only saw, like, the untainted render of it. Um, But it's Chainsaw Charlie. I got the Mick Foley Cactus Jack uh, coming from ringside here next month. So that'll be nice. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I, uh... I probably... If I saw that Chainsaw Charlie in a store, like, if it was at Walmart on a peg, I'm not gonna lie, I'd probably pick it up. I don't know if I would go and pay the the ringside like ten dollar premium plus shipping to to get it, you know. But I think if I stumbled upon it, I, I might pick that up. Right, uh, and I think I'm I'm the opposite with the um the the Roddy Piper They Live. We're like I like Roddy Piper, I like They Live, but like then it's like a weird oddity in my collection. Where if I saw it out in the wild on Doll Safari, I'd grab it. Yeah. Um, the only thing that was new that was announced. For me, obviously, I want the Alexa Bliss, uh, what is it, Ultimate Edition. Mm-hmm. You know, got to add it to the list of uh, figures that I have and need. Yeah, <laughs> definitely adding to a list, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I have to buy that. That was a, a shocker for me because she's never had an Ultimate. But aside from, like, the previously announced figures, like, we all knew about the Target Hasbro, I'm sorry, the Target uh, Legends figures, like the the NWO Hall, the NWO Nash, the Piper, the ECW Bam Bam. So those were all shown a second time, you know, but they were kind of announced at San Diego, but I need all of those. And they all went live on Target's website and they're impossible to get. So I'm hoping I see them in the wild. And But uh, other than the Alexa, that's really the only thing that's like down the road that I need. 
So not too bad. They announced hundreds of figures and I'm coming out of it like needing like four. Yeah. So, yeah. I feel, I feel pretty good about it. Yeah. All right, Joe, the last thing I have for weekly purchases, um, obviously I came out of this past weekend pretty high on the wrestling life. You know, I was like, I came off of a show that I really enjoyed, uh, really liked the social media buzz that was surrounding it. And I, I know that you, I spoke to you about this and, uh, I tweeted it out, but, uh, Broski put the boots that he wore to homecoming up in the Facebook group, the major pod Facebook group. Right. And, uh, Joe, I didn't buy them. But much like the Cuban Missile Crisis, the world will never quite know how close I got to, like, full-out, like, domination or decimation of my wallet. You know, like, it got pretty damn close. And, uh, you know, obviously I tweeted this out. It's public knowledge. He had advertised or he had said $1,000 or best offer. And these are basically one-of-one boots, you know, maybe covered in a little bit of DNA from himself and his opponent. And, uh... You know, I was talking to the boar and the boar said, hey, listen, you know, one of one boots like kicker boots like that, they're not cheap. And, you know, they're probably at least half of that thousand dollars just to get the boots made. And, you know, and a lot of people were in my ear enabling me, Joe, saying, oh, you should do this. This is a once in a lifetime thing. Uh, but anyways, he had listed a thousand dollars or best offer. And I at one point started typing out an offer, Joe. Do you want to guess what my offer was going to be just for shits and giggles? I would have guessed uh, eight. Yeah. So I typed out, I basically typed out something to the effect of, uh, I, I'll do 800 bucks, PayPal, friends and family. I hope you say no to this offer <laughs> is literally what I put in it. And my finger hovered over the send for a solid minute or two, Joe. Yeah. And then finally I chickened out. I chickened out. I said, you know what I like more than having uh one of one broski boots from like a super popular super like famous wrestling event uh not having eight hundred dollars of credit card debt and actually if you're sending friends and family and you're using a credit card it's closer to like nine hundred and ten dollars so yeah uh but i don't know if you followed it at all a lot of people were sending him dms all of which he was ignoring probably with like offers and then finally somebody in the major pod group just claimed them at the full price right uh, and I'll tell you what, Joe, once those were claimed, I got really bad FOMO. I was like, God damn it, I wanted those boots. <laughs> like, I I went through the, the roller coaster of emotions of just being relieved that I didn't spend that much money on something so fucking stupid. <laughs> but then on the flip side, being like, how did I pass up this once in a lifetime opportunity? Uh, so I went back and forth on it for a while, but they're gone. They're not out there, but I came really close. So to just kind of, you know, satisfy my need to buy something broski related to, to kind of commemorate the weekend. You bought the I bloody bought, wrist tape? I did not buy the bloody wrist tape. But I'll tell you what, if th that bloody wrist tape sells for $125, then those boots are worth 10, like they're worth like five grand. If some idiot's going to spend $125 on wrist tape, those boots are worth three, $4,000. But we'll, we'll see. But no, lastly, I pulled the trigger on a WWE Mattel Elite Series 9 Zack Ryder figure, which is the first Broski Elite. It's the one where he has uh, the like the mesh black shirt. So he has three Elites total. I now have all three of them. So 
I got it before, you know, those prices blow up and people start customizing these into like bloody versions, you know, to have them stand triumphant over their their shaved head Shawn Michaels figures. You know? <laughs> uh, but that's so my last purchase. But I, I do just want to say uh, who was the one who said pass on the boots of all these enablers in your said- life? You are the voice of reason, Joe. You're the conscience of my pocketbook. You right. didn't tell me to pass. So, but one, literally I everybody jo- else told me. Yeah, I jokingly said uh, pass because how many uh, sniffs are there in those boots? <laughs> Secondly, this is true. We talk on the show about purchasing figures and purchasing whatever is a slippery slope. You know, if I yes. open up myself to these figures, then it's going to open up me to these figures and now i've got a whole toy room right you buy one pair of broski boots you have now opened up a much more expensive collecting habit because (laughs) you're not going to stop at the boots because broski's not going to stop at putting used gear up in the facebook group he's gonna have some he's gonna have some other match he, where some other big thing is going to happen and he's going to sell, you know, the broski headband that he wore during the match. Well, now I got to have that for that match. And like every match that he has, now I need a piece of that match. Now you're fighting with other broski completists. Cut that off before it even starts. I see what you're saying and I agree with most of that. The only thing that I could have very easily had this be a hard cutoff is the fact that it's like, I mean, full disclosure, I don't see there being a lot of broski matches that like make headlines in Sports Illustrated like this one did, you know, so it's just the the uh, significance of this in the indie wrestling world, I think would have made it stand out where I wouldn't feel like I need to chase down other stuff but you're right i'm a very i have a very addictive personality as you can tell by the fact that i never bought wrestling toys before a year and a half ago (laughs) exactly but you're you're right joe i i i narrowly averted that because that thousand would have turned into like a lot more than that i'll just say like uh maybe like two weeks ago uh broski wrestled like some promotion like for uh, uh gallows promotion in west virginia and it was a six man. I don't yeah. know who they wrestled, but it was Broski, Gallows, and Deathmatch Legend Luther. And if Broski <laughs> was selling those boots, I'd buy those because those are practically brand new. <laughs> this is true. This is true. All right. Well, I, I see in the the major pod group Broski selling or not Broski selling. Somebody is selling. Uh, some of Broski's elbow pads from Impact for only $165. See, that's and that's hard. the thing. He has some match at Impact where he faces Kenny Omega and he wins the title for Im- for Impact or whatever it is. It's like, oh, well, now I need, <laughs> you know, the knee pads that he wore in the match where he won the title, you know? Because I have the boots, you know, I need something else to go with the boots. And then you're going to have the stand-up of Broski thing where you have, like, the mannequin. It's like, well, here's the headband from this match, and here's the shirt from this match, and here's the tights from this match. And then 20 years from now, Dollar King is going to come to your house looking to buy it off you so they can put in the WWE Museum of all this stuff, you know? I was saving you an interaction 20 years from now with Dollar King. 
Oh, all right. Well said. I think there's no way better than end it there. <laughs> all right. Yes. So for Adam, this is Joe saying thank you everyone for listening to episode 149 of At Odds with Wrestling. Uh, be safe out there and enjoy some wrestling. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.